to the Gibson Girl Review, the book review podcast that rescues antique novels from the doom of mere decor and puts them back where they rightfully belong, in your to-be-read pile. Join us every week as we rediscover forgotten stories from the Gilded Age and Progressive Era and uncover just how entertaining and relevant they still are more than a century later. to the first five pages challenge, a new project of the Gibson Girl Review. These new episodes will fall in between our regular review episodes, and this will be your chance to help us decide which books to review on the show. So, what is it all about? Well, in the modern publishing industry, agents and editors are so inundated with submissions that they read little more than the first five pages before deciding whether or not they're interested in a manuscript. If they are, they keep reading. If they aren't, it goes in the reject pile. Along the same lines, we here at the Gibson Girl Review have thousands of books to choose from for our book reviews, and we need a way to narrow that down. So we thought, let's apply the first five pages rule to our antique novels, and let's let you, our listeners, be the judge. So here's how this works. In each first five pages episode, we will give you the title, author, and a brief description from a historical advertisement of a Gilded Age or Progressive Era novel that we are considering for the podcast. And then one of our readers will share the first five pages of that book. At the end of the episode, simply click on the Vote Now link in our show notes to vote whether we should read or reject the book. And here's where the challenge part comes in, because whichever book has the most yes votes at the end of this season will be declared the winner and will be featured on the show next season. So without further ado, today's entry into the first five pages challenge is Drifted Asunder, or The Tide of Fate, by Amanda Minnie Douglas, first published in 1876. This story follows the lives of two young couples as they navigate the challenges and triumphs of life on the frontier. Along the way, they confront danger, heartbreak, and unexpected twists of fate that test their courage and determination. Today's entry into the first five pages challenge is read by Lisa Ard, one of our new Gibson Girl readers. So let's tune in and see what we think of Drifted Asunder. Chapter 1. Husband and Wife Then you will not come in town today, Dora? No. Dora Tremaine made answer with an odd, arch look. If she meant to pique her husband's curiosity thereby, she had her reward, though Ralph Tremaine was a slow-brained, methodical sort of man, not easily roused, not easily excited to emotions of any kind. Why, Dora? She laughed at this, a gleeful, provoking laugh, charming withal as a set of silver bells pealing note by note, and a gratified, piquant expression danced in her dark eyes, which a moment ago looked blue, 
now you would have declared them black. As if I were in the habit of coming to confession with every thought. I told you long ago that I was not one of your devotedly silly women, whose chief mission in this life is the development of a morbid, bluebeardish jealousy on the part of mankind. I may have twenty things to do today. As you cannot see the grace with which this was uttered, its effect must be half lost. Dora Tremaine had so many pretty, changeful, coquettish ways without being anything of a coquette. She would have taken just as much pains with her dress if she were coming down to lunch on a rainy day to sit alone by herself at the table as if there had been a guest. When she went to the kitchen, she smiled just as sweetly at crabbed Mrs. Maybin, gave her instructions in as silvery a tone to the gardener as if he had been a prince of the realm, and used inferiors and all in that elegant, ladylike manner most people keep for holiday attire. There was a shade of higher elegance for her guests, but with all the ease and half-familiarity, people from highest to lowest were not long in finding out that she was a woman you could not take liberties with. Some central point gave her a fine poise. In this revolution, there was a pleasant geniality. In the next, if you were hardy enough to dare it, a sudden flash of fire. Ralph Tremaine smiled first, then grew grave. He was a grave-looking man generally, not young for thirty-five, but probably in the next decade would count no more years upon his face unless some overwhelming trouble came to him. She saw the gravity, but she went on sipping her rich coffee out of an eggshell of a cup that took on an amber tint from the liquid within, glancing furtively at him, with an amused light coming and going in her eyes. You know you have a fatal tendency to jealousy, Ralph, she said. Yes. His answer was so downright honest that she started. If he had thought a moment, he would not have said just that, though it was following out his own train of reasoning. She left her place at the head of the table, and, coming round to him, took a vacant chair and drew it up close, seating herself. Then, before she had looked at him, even, she took a tiny piece of toast that lay on the edge of his plate and bit off a dainty morsel, crunching it between her white teeth. At dinner she nearly always came around and shared his dessert. "'Ralph,' she said, "'are you really jealous of me?' "'I am an old fool.' Then he ate the remaining crumb of toast with an evident relish, and, though he smiled, there was a sad, wistful look in his gray eyes. Not as old as if you had come out of the ark, Ralph dear. As for the rest, no, I am not jealous, he answered, reconsidering. Yes, you are. Not that you think I'll run away with that handsome Saint Ormond, or flirt desperately with the young men you bring up here from time to time, even that fatherly Cleveland that you want me to like. It isn't the people outside who affect you. It is simply whether I love you better than I love myself. She had stated the matter so clearly and forcibly that he looked at her in amaze. You know, I said in the beginning, and he fumbled with his watch chain nervously, that you would be content with the simple liking until I learned to love you. Two years ago, you have been very good and patient, Ralph. 
there was an unappeased hunger in his eyes, a longing that would have melted the heart of almost any woman, but there was a vein of waywardness about her. I believe she always hated to say and do just what people expected of her. And so I ought to give you my confidence preparatory to the one great step. Well, I cannot run in town, because it is barely possible that the dressmaker may drop in, and I have promised to have my last summer's dresses brought out for her inspection, though I dare say the unprincipled thing will declare that not one of them is fit to make over. If, after that, you will invite me down to share the contents of your pocketbook, I will come with pleasure. He laughed a little. She had this way of putting him off, which she acknowledged to herself was very provoking, and she thought, sometimes, if he were to scold her outright, give her a good shaking, or shut her up in a dark closet, it would be better for her in the end. Of course, she would be dreadfully angry, run away, perhaps, but then she would come back, for there was no one in the world half so dear, and she did love him in her fashion. She had never compared notes with other girls or women, knew nothing about love, except the kind she found in books, which seemed not at all like hers. It is my pocketbook, then, and not me. Oh, Ralph, I've half a mind to tell Miss Ayers that I will not have a new dress this summer. I do not mind at all if your old ones are white, he said. There's my train. The whistle in the distance seemed to mock them. She glanced up, mirthfully. Well, you don't mind much. Besides, you were two hours late last night. Only one. You know I said that I should not come until the five o'clock train hereafter, now that the days are so long. Do you not suppose they are equally long with me? But your coffee is cold, and you must have some fresh. She poured it out daintily, but when she would have sent for more toast, he declared that he did not want it, and presently he rose. That concludes the first five pages of Drifted Asunder by Amanda Minnie Douglas, and it's time for you to decide. Should we keep reading this book or reject it? Click on the Vote Now link in today's show notes to tell us what you think we should do. But don't delay. Voting is only open for two weeks until our next and final first five pages entry is revealed. We will be back next week with an all-new old book review. So until then, happy voting. And as always, keep reading like a Gibson girl. Thank you for listening to the Gibson Girl Review, a Curious Antiquarian production. For complete show notes, transcripts, download links, and more, please visit us at gibsongirlreview.com. 